This podcast is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook is strengthening security during elections by increasing political ad transparency, blocking fake accounts before they have a chance to do harm, and reducing the spread of false news. Learn more at facebook.com slash action plan. From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. The idea that a sexual indiscretion could end a politician's career in 2018 is almost a quaint idea (laughs) these times. (laughs) And so making a movie about a sexual indiscretion that ended the presidential ambitions of Gary Hart, it seems like it's longer than it's 31 years ago when that happened in May 1987. Gary Hart is the man to beat in 88. If we hold ourselves to those highest standards, then the voters cannot do otherwise. Senator, I want to ask you some questions about the woman at your townhouse. Can you tell us how you know her? You can't be serious. No one is staying in my home. There's no need for that. Uh, I, I am serious, sir. But the story is a little bit more complicated than just simple morality and politics and sex. And to discuss the new movie, The Front Runner, which details the uh, story of Gary Hart and that sort of coffee cup presidential campaign in May 1987, are two of the writers of the movie. Matt By and Jay Carson, and we're going to discuss their movie. And we're going to splice in interviews that I did before with the director, Jason Reitman, at uh, potentially awkward times in our conversation. Perfect. Jay, Matt, welcome to Political Theater. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. So one of the things that occurred to me uh, that I just couldn't quite get it out of my mind, at the press screening, Jason introduced uh, the, the film, and he said that when you were starting the process of uh, you know, reading Matt's book and turning that into a screenplay for the uh, f- for uh, this movie that you watched, the candidate, the Michael Ritchie movie about a, a Senate candidate candidate and campaign uh, starring Robert Redford from 1972, and that that was sort of the the north star. I guess if you were writing, you were an anonymous senior administration official in the Trump administration, you would have said it was your lodestar. Uh, but in, in your case, it was the, in your case it was the north star for your for your uh, for your work. Uh, but let's just quickly recap the story of Gary Hart uh, in in 1987 in the run-up to the 88 uh, campaign, and then let's talk about your approach to it, particularly through this prism of this other movie from the you know the the really distant past, Planet 1970s. Sure. So uh, I'll give you the thumbnail version of the the Hart story. Uh, in 1987, Gary Hart was this is the beginning of 87, going to the 88 cycle. He was uh, the presumed front runner for the Democratic nomination. Uh, he announces for president, and a couple weeks after the announcement, but it takes about five days. He's completely consumed and driven, not just from the presidential race, but from public life by uh, a scandalous dalliance with a much younger woman who was not his wife. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, is, uh, it, it is a watershed moment, you know, uh, a moment of change in American politics, because before that, uh, no presidential candidate has been subjected uh, to that kind of scrutiny in their private lives. And Jay, uh, you've lived through this world that that Matt just described. What was uh, what what was it like for you, kind of going through this moment after having lived through it? I mean, there's a level of catharsis in writing about something like this. But th- there are two things that drew me to this story. One, when Matt told me years ago about this book he was working on, I immediately saw it as a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's this riveting story that takes place over five days, where you've got a guy that's going to be the next president. And then five days later, he's never going to work in politics again. I, I was just totally gripped by it. Mm-hmm. 
that was just as a as a writer and someone who loves movies. Um, but as a person who's worked in politics for over fifteen years, you know, Matt and I have you know over forty years of almost forty years of political experience between the two of us in national politics, and I think we both came to this story because we entered into politics with a lot of idealism, you know, inspired by Teddy White books and Richard Kramer and 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 came into a world that, that didn't really resemble that anymore and a politics that was really broken. And I can just say that when I left it in 2008, it had broken me. And part of writing this was the exploration of why and how we got to where we are. I mean, in 2008 seems like romper room compared to where we are now. Right. Um, and it was, uh, you know, as a fascinating and cathartic process to be a part of that, to actually look into why there's this moment in 87 where it all changes. I should mention that you were, you know, you were in Congress working for Tom Daschle, yeah. the uh, South Dakota senator, during some fairly, you know, rough times yourself. I mean, Absolutely. during, you know, yeah. Bush v. Gore, <laughs> uh, 2000 and so forth. To name a few. So, I mean, it was, th- it really was a, da- Daschle wrote a book um, called Like No Other Time. I think that's exactly the title. Yes, but yeah. You know, that was a crazy few-year period that I happened to uh, luck into, I guess. Um, I loved working there, and I loved working for him. But, um, And I still, you know, look at the Capitol and think, my my God, I had an office in there. Um, And, you know, for the rest of my life, I'll probably drive my kids by and and, and annoy the hell out of them by saying, like, that was Daddy's daddy's window up there. (laughs) Um, It was a crazy time. It was anthrax. It was 9-11. There was all of the the legislation we pushed through after 9-11, Bush v. Gore, it was all, all, all kind of crazy stuff. But there was also a nastiness of politics that was that was increasing. And nasty is almost a quaint word compared to what we're dealing with now. But you could see the seeds of the politics that we're dealing with now in the way we started dealing with each other or, or, or increasingly dealt with each other during that period. And every month, month over month, got worse than the got worse than the last. Although I'm sure that anyone now would would you know pay to be taken in a time machine back to then and what we thought was nasty uh, th- well this brings up a, a question Matt that um, you never have control necessarily over when your when your book is released you know what the events will be on the ground or when your movie is released but this movie is I mean it comes out nationwide or at least in New York and Los Angeles on election day but I mean we're right in the middle of another big sort of sexual, you know, indiscretion yeah. or sexual allegations with the Brett Kavanaugh Supreme Court nomination fight, um, and and it it just seems that the if if this if the, if we were writing a book now, I mean, it would be about sort of plowing forward. I mean, this sort of obliviousness of of just getting, you know, like who who cares what the accusers say? I mean, we're just going to keep doing. We're we're going to like kind of counterpunch, which is the the president's you know, strategy on, on everything. He's been very upfront about that. When somebody accuses you of something, you just punch, punch them back as hard as you possibly can. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's, to me, it's a sort of philosophical conversation because uh, frequently it was true with the book and it's true with the film. Uh, people will say, well, uh, you know, as you, as you do, and it's absolutely true. Nowadays, you just plow through or you say, you, you either apologize or you say, forget about it, I don't care, it's nobody's business, and you just, you know, you, you succeed anyway, and, and, or, you know, whatever you have to do. Uh, if, you're, if you're Brett Kavanaugh, for instance, in this moment, right, you bring your wife in front of the camera and you do an interview and you emote on national TV, you go into the hearing and you shout and you tear up and, you know, you, you plow through. Uh, and so some people will look at that and think, well, we've we've advanced. See, the public <laughs> doesn't just throw you aside anymore. The public, the public uh, hears you out. 
and filters through that information. Um, I, I have always looked at it a little bit of a different way. Uh, the question I would pose is, um, what kind of people are you attracting to the process and who thrives in it, right? Because Gary Hart is driven out in 1987, not just because the, not because, the, actually not because the public decides we will not have a president who's had an affair. In fact, the polling showed very clearly that they thought the media had overstepped and, and he was winning the, the, that fight. He, he's, he's driven out of politics because there are things he will not do. He will not divulge his private life. He will not drag his family in front of the camera for interviews. He will not ask for apologies. Uh, rather, he will not ask for forgiveness. Uh, and uh, what, yeah, he's, he's like, it's nobody's business. Right. He holds the line, right. right, which is, you know, for a lot of the life of the country, what we would have called principle. I think, you know, uh, what, what, what has happened gradually is we've created a process that rewards a bit of shamelessness, that both attracts and rewards candidates who will do anything to get or hold an office, who will subject their family to any level of invasive scrutiny, who will dissemble where necessary, uh, who will stop at nothing. And uh, you know, the, 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 that, that, that raises a lot of questions about what that process means for the, for the country and our public life. And I think what the film uh, is trying to do, because it's a very unusual film in that it does, it's not a message movie. It's bringing you a lot of different perspectives and it's very, uh, it's, it moves around a lot. It's got a lot of people uh, and a lot of conversations going on. And what it's really always asking you to do is to walk away asking yourself, what do we need to know and when is it relevant and what does it cost us? And it, it's, it's, it's really sort of, I think, pushing people to have that conversation themselves when they leave the theater. We're going to take a short break, uh, but I want to return to some of the issues that you just brought up right after this. During election season, it's important to know who's behind the political and issue ads we see on Facebook. That's why Facebook is increasing political ad transparency with tools to help you get more information about who paid for those ads, what other ads they ran, and how much was spent. You can also search for this information on their ad archive. Visit facebook.com slash action plan to learn more about their ongoing efforts. Uh, we're back. And one of the, so what you just said about that this is not a message movie, uh, this, this struck me a little bit when, um, when Jason introduced the film at the press screening the other day, and he said this is like a movie with 15 leading characters. So I've always been drawn to complicated characters. I mean, if you look at my movies, they're about, you know, a tobacco lobbyist, a pregnant teenager, you know, the guy who fires people for a living, a woman mm -hmm. who's trying to uh, ruin another couple's marriage. So uh, clearly, <laughs> this is my Marvel universe. These uh -huh. are the characters that I'm drawn to. And, uh, and in that sense, uh, Gary Hart fits right in. You watched uh, The Candidate, Michael Ritchie's yeah. you know, movie starring Robert Redford about mm -hmm. a Senate candidate. A, a, this is in California, The Candidate, but it, it, was, it almost was a heart-like character. And, you know, he's sort of a manly man, outdoorsy, yeah. um, you know, very liberal and so forth. What did you take from that movie? Because it's one of my favorite movies. I, I love watching it. We it's made... the tone and style. Yeah. It's, it's the innocuous conversations. Um... It, um... I watch that film and I feel like I, I'm, I am living and breathing every moment in the most real of ways. And uh, I, I think uh, the shooting style, what they did with audio on that film, really, it was so beautifully mixed. Uh, the way they use lights, the way that lights turn on characters and turn off characters when they are important and unimportant. Uh, the way that you're introduced to characters that you barely kind of get a sense of and they show up a few more times and you never really know who they are uh, and you start to kind of intermingle faces the way you do in real life. It, it also, the, the comparisons to the candidate really, this is where they start to come in. And, and that when you, 
when you make a movie like this with so many different perspectives, you're not getting a, a message. You're not getting bludgeoned over the head by saying the press is bad, Gary Hart is bad, um, infidelity is bad. I mean, or, or I mean, like you're, you're not getting, or the system is is crooked. I mean, it's really there's so many different ways that you can interpret the movie that it's almost um, or, you, 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 it challenges the viewer. Or the good version of that. Look at the heroes. Right. Look at this hero who does heroic things from the beginning to the end. It's not the movie we made. Um, it's not stories that any of the three of us are really interested in telling. It's not what I've actually seen. Well, they, lived... the, the Avengers have that cover. Right? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, and those are great. I, I love. We the... thought about setting it in that world, but yeah, uh, it was. Yeah. I mean, Hugh does look really good in in, in purple tights. tights and a cape, but he looks really good in anything. Um, but it's not. It's one. It's not. Those aren't stories that we're really interested in. Mm-hmm. And two, that's not real life. Right. Um, I saw people do a lot of heroic things while I worked in Washington. I never met any true through and through heroes who mm-hmm. only did heroic things because that's not humanity. And so what we tried to tell was a story of no black hats, no white hats, no no good guys, no bad guys, no heroes, no villains. People live in the gray. They're human beings. Every single person in the story because every single person I've ever met in politics was a human being, usually in a difficult situation, trying to do the best that they could and make the right choice. And that's definitely the story we tried to tell in, the, in this movie. Yeah, the film is, I mean, and true to the actual story in this way, the film is about uh, a bunch of people, operatives, reporters, a candidate, a family, uh, a woman caught in scandal, a bunch of people trying to make good decisions in an extremely difficult circumstance that no one had faced before. And there is no perfection in that. Uh, there, there is no escaping that without damage. Everybody has to figure out where they think the lines of morality uh, are drawn, what's, you know, what's, what's right and what's necessary. And, and I think you can watch the movie... Well, I have. I have. I was going to say, I think you watched the movie three or four times. I watched it more than that. Uh, and I think every time you can try on a different perspective, uh, you know, tr- and, and see the reason in somebody's argument and, and, and look at it differently because, uh, because it's, uh, it, it, it continues to be, as it was then, a really complicated um, series of choices we have to make, and those complications are there in the movie, and I'm really proud of that. And it's actually one, you know, as practitioners of this, um, having done this for a really long time, having worked on Capitol Hill, I was often frustrated by Hollywood portrayals of what of what of what we what I used to do. What people who are listening, many mm-hmm. of the people who are listening to this, actually do. Um, I read Roll Call every day when I worked on Capitol Hill. I did. I never liked the binary, one-dimensional portrayals of the practitioners of, uh, in this in this industry. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things we set out to do in everything we write is show the the three dimensionality of the people and to have people talk and look and sound like they really talk and look and sound so that the world feels really real. One of the great things about doing this with Jason, um, he doesn't have a, 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 a 40-year experience in Hollywood, but he got it immediately. And the fact right. that he wanted the candidate to be our, I like Lodestar, I'm going to start saying that now. The fact that he wanted the candidate to be our Lodestar. You wrote the column. Lodestar, 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 Lodestar. I don't ever use that word. Um, the fact that he wanted the candidate to be our North Star. Um, was inspiring for us because it meant that he got it right off the bat because that's the, the, it's the overlapping dialogue, the scenes where 
they're talking about a re- the re- the most important event of their camp of their campaign thus far, but and they're really they're like, arguing go, about go pay the pizza guy. Please. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because <laughs> right. yeah, right. yeah, that's how it worked. I now want to do a movie about the Trump era just so I can call it Lodestar. Lodestar. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really I don't even want to make the movie. Yeah. I just want to call. Sometimes it a movie name that could be the you. Eagleton movie that we're all going to work on. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No. Don't give that away. I'm not telling anyone about our Eagleton movie. Um, so one of, one of the things that occurs to me too is that the getting back to this like that people political people journalists even are three dimensional uh, characters and, even and journalists that even journalists are are complicated uh, people is that Hart's own relationships um, were reflected that he was close to John McCain who we were talking about mm-hmm. as we were coming yeah. into the the theater I mean McCain was another uh, I mean I'm from Arizona so, I mean I. I've, I've I've seen I've seen him in action for you know the, for the entirety of his political career uh, before he was uh, super famous and yeah, Arizonans have a different take. Than, it's it's than and he was my neighbor too. I mean he yeah. lived about five miles away from me in in Cornville, in my hometown from Cottonwood, and he was complicated and mm-hmm. and you thought you knew him on one way and then he just sort of went another direction. And also Hart was very close to Hunter S. Thompson. Uh, mm-hmm. One of I mean Thompson has this cartoonish sort of reputation in journalism, uh, perhaps, but it, it belied a very complicated man, uh, a, a guy who was a lot more conservative politically than most people would have thought just because he loved to do drugs and, and party and, you know, all the things they think liberals only do. I Hart, guess. Hart, Hart, uh, Senator Hart has a hysterical story about, uh, about being in Hunter Thompson's house and the wild turkey just walking in and out of the room <laughs> that he kept in his home. <laughs> So I guess it was a, maybe it was a deal with like wild, wild turkey bourbon. Or? I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it was anything quite that orderly. So we've got this movie coming out uh, in in the coming weeks. Are you taking a lot of questions about the current election? Because it was interesting. I'm. This is what I do for a living. You know, I roll call. We cover the election. And as I've been thinking about this movie. You know, there, of course, we talked a little bit about the Kavanaugh stuff happening, but I, I just haven't been thinking about politics at all. It really comes down right. to almost like a human, a very human kind of tragedy that yeah. we're looking. I mean, it, is thank you for seeing that. Uh, I mean, I I, uh, I really love movies too, so that's part of it. But are you getting more political questions, or are you getting more of like the dramatic questions? Depends where you, know? you are. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> well, we're in Washington right now, and uh-huh. uh, and I live here, uh, and so. Uh, you do get a lot of political questions. Um, there is, um, and, the, and it's in the culture. It's not just Washington. It's, it is in our culture that even if you're not a journalist or, or a former operative like Jay, you know, we, we, we are a culture now of pundits. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody who's interested in politics has a take, uh, and that, that's been happening ever since. We all have Twitter and accounts. TV and right, social <laughs> media. So, so you do get asked about it a lot. And, and uh, you know, look, we, I appreciate that because people are, fascinated by this moment and and troubled by this moment and they don't think the system is working no matter what side they're on and uh and so you know they want to know how this movie uh relates to that and where where we come at it from and i understand that but you know as you said the movie is really at its heart uh no pun intended a really you know a sort of gripping compelling tale with this with an a, a, a truly amazing lead actor at the core of a really talented cast who is doing something really remarkable on screen, which is reflecting and portraying all the elements yeah. of this enigmatic main character. So, you know, to me, to all of us, I think that, 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 that this is a, this is first and foremost a story, uh, and we don't, uh, come at it, uh, by design telling you what's wrong with politics, how to pick politics, it's journalists, it's this, it's that, it's, I think, I think if anything, Jay is a former operative, myself as a journalist. I think we, we, in the writing of the movie, 
tried to put ourselves in the other perspective. And I had to grapple with, oh, that's what it looks like to operatives. And he had to grapple with, oh, so the journalist in the room, what would the journalist be thinking? And mm -hmm. I never realized that before. So, you know, I think, um, you know, I, I, I think for us, it's much more of an exercise of asking you, the audience, what do you take away from this? What do you make of this? Will you think about this? Will you talk about this on the way home? If you're going to talk about this on the way home and try to work through issues, we've done what we set out to do. And we're not, we're not really, this is not, this is not the 400th take this week on why politics is this way or why it's that way. We're just, we're not coming at it that way. If you'll notice in every scene, we try to give everyone involved in the conversation, often two people, often 18, the absolute strongest argument in their favor on, on multiple opposing sides of an issue. And we're trying to fuel a conversation with that. A lot of times you'll see a movie where there's in the room, there's a person with the right answer and a guy arguing the wrong point. And we actually don't do that here. We try to show what it looks like to really wrestle when, when a lot of people have um, really accurate and believable and strong information on their side. And in some ways, Jason, this is the only way to wrestle with it. We can't do this on social media. We don't have this conversation well right. in Washington, right? Everybody, it's too charged. But you go to a movie and you, you sit in the dark and you watch that movie with your spouse or your friend or, and you come out of the, you know, and you come out and you talk about it. And I think then maybe through art, maybe through the movie, you can actually have a conversation that we're not very successful uh, having in the, in the realm we're in. At the end of the movie, uh, it's, uh, you have a, um, a, a, just a short little thing that says that uh, Gary, and, Gary Hart and his wife Lee are still married um, because, you, you know, there is this very precarious moment, you know, that, that is portrayed about whether the marriage will survive. And, and in, the answer is it does. And I was just wondering what has, uh, has Hart's reaction been, if, if you had any interactions with him and what, what's been the reaction there as, as much as you could because, again, he is – the reason he's portrayed the way he is by Jackman is because he is a kind of a hard-to-read guy. Well, I've talked to him obviously many times over the years, talked to him a lot for the book, uh, less so for the movie. He's really talked to Jason, who's, you know, the captain of the ship, is a director and our, our co-writer. Uh, and uh, so Jason went and showed him the movie out in Denver. And, and, and you know, I can't I'm only repeating what he's told us because I, I wasn't there. But he said, uh, you know, he said they had a really nice conversation about it, uh, that. Uh, that Senator Hart was really appreciative. Obviously, he didn't see the script before, didn't know anything about the movie. So it was, you know, you can imagine how jarring that is. It's the worst week of your life, and it's on the big screen. Uh, but but I, I think I think he and his entire family were grateful for the complexity of the movie, and you know, uh, and 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 grateful to have the story told with more dimensions than it ever has. And and I think very appreciative of Hugh's portrayal because you know Hugh Jackman's portrayal is really. Um, human and it's, multifaceted. It's pretty amazing. It's, 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 I mean, it's, he, he it's knows how to, man knows how to throw an axe. He's amazing. <laughs> and that was something <laughs> and else. That's I mean, real. We'll leave that, but that's something else. The reaction you're seeing when it hits the thing, everyone going crazy, is real because he, he did it. He actually did it. Now, oh, I, yeah. was, I was on set that day, and, and they uh, there was a pool going. You had to pick a number and how many takes it would take him to get the axe on. And he'd been doing some training, uh -huh. and he can do just about anything. Like, he can do him. anything. So I had a terrible number. I had like seven. And I said to him, you know, if, you, if it takes you a little while to get this down, there might be something in it for you, you know, because there was a few hundred dollars to be won there. Uh, and, but right on the first take, bang. Hugh Jackman is the guy who throws an axe into the tree on the first take pretty much effortlessly. Big deal. Listeners, yeah. you'll, you'll just have to see the movie for that scene because it is, it is pretty priceless. <laughs> Matt and Jay, thank you so much for talking uh, to Political Theater about, about your project and uh, good luck with the movie. 
Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app, such as iTunes, NPR One, or Spotify. And for more on this and other stories, you can visit rollcall.com or find us on Twitter at rollcall. Thank you for listening. During election season, it's important to know who's behind the political and issue ads we see on Facebook. That's why Facebook is increasing political ad transparency with tools to help you get more information about who paid for those ads, what other ads they ran, and how much was spent. You can also search for this information on their ad archive. Visit Facebook.com actionplan to learn more about their ongoing efforts.